0: In the next verses, verses 23 and 24, what do we learn? You see, in these verses, verse 21 and 22, we are commanded to worship Allah. Hmm? Why? Because Allah is the one who created you. He is the one who has given you everything you have. You were created for Him, so worship Him. Okay, now in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what do we do? how do we worship him we have to look at the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam right what is it that he taught us but before we can follow the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we have to be able to trust him right is he really the messenger of god is this book really the book of allah so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa in and if you are fi in doubt if you are in any doubt about what mimma abdina about that which we have revealed upon our servant who is allah's servant prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa okay here abd refers to who write it down okay put an arrow under it or around it and write down Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi sallam What is it that Allah revealed upon the Prophet? ﷺ? The Quran. So Allah is telling us here that if you happen to have any doubt about the Quran, is it from Allah? Is it really Allah's book? Then how should you deal with that? What should you do? Allah challenges people. Fatu, Then you should come بِسُورَةٍ With a surah Meaning you should produce a surah Bring a surah Surah as in a chapter of the Qur'an What kind of a surah? mithlihi That is similar to it Similar to what? Similar to the Qur'an Because if you have doubt in the Qur'an Basically what you're assuming is That a human being has invented this Qur'an Okay? So if you're saying that Muhammad ﷺ came up with it himself, then you know what? If he could do it, surely you could do it too. So why don't you give it a try? Bring one surah that is similar to the Qur'an. Similar to the Qur'an as in similar in its language, in its eloquence, in its relevance, in its benefit, in its effect. Something that is similar to the Qur'an. Try to produce something like it. Now, okay, this is a difficult job, so you might not feel comfortable doing it all by yourself. So no problem, get help. Whose help? wad'u And call upon. Who شُهَدَاءَكُمْ Your witnesses and by witnesses what is meant here is those who will assist you because shahid is who one who observes and by an observer what is meant is one who will oversee as in supervise you and assist you in this task all those who could help you min dunillah besides allah don't seek allah's help there but seek anybody else's help and you know what? In another place in the Quran, we learned that if all of mankind and the jinn, I mean, seek everybody's help, the entire creation's help if you want. In kuntum sadiqin, if you should be truthful. Truthful in what? Truthful in your claim that this Quran is a word of a human being. If you say that, then you know what? You also try. Because if Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam could do it, you can do it too. Okay. Now, this is, A challenge that Allah has mentioned over here. Okay? A challenge that Allah is giving to people. Which people? Those who doubt in the Qur'an. And this challenge is mentioned not just once in the Qur'an, but multiple times. There are at least five verses that challenge humanity to bring something like the Qur'an. One surah, ten surahs, ten verses. You know, bring something like the Qur'an. Okay? Then Allah says, فَإِن لَم تفعلوا, Then if you are not able to do, meaning you're not able to produce anything like the Qur'an. You tried very hard, you asked so many people to help you, and you weren't able to do it. And by the way, Allah says, وَلَن تَفْعَلُوا You know what? You're never going to be able to do this. Even if you spend a thousand years, trying to produce something like the Qur'an, you won't be able to do it. Why? Because this is the word of God, not the word of a human being. You see, when it comes to the things that people make, okay, like for example, Siri, Hmm? very intelligent, very intelligent. I mean, it's impressive. You ask Siri, how do you spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and Siri will actually spell it out for you right but Siri is Siri so you ask Siri it happens with me all the time I say call and I say the name of a person and it calls somebody else somebody else Siri doesn't understand me sometimes Siri doesn't understand my accent right I say one thing and Siri misunderstands me does it happen with you? I think this is what makes Siri fun, isn't it? That you say one thing and it does something else, right? And you ask Siri silly questions and it'll give you silly answers, right? Anyway, Siri is Siri. Siri is not a human being, isn't it? It's intelligent, but it's still a computer. It's not a human being. So we cannot expect Siri to do what a human being can do. Right, Which is why many times when I'm in the car and I need to call somebody and I cannot because I'm driving, I will not ask Siri, I will ask my five-year-old or seven-year-old because the seven-year-old is more intelligent than Siri. The five-year-old is more intelligent than Siri. Honestly. So there's no match between what God makes and what man makes. There is no match between what Allah has made and what human beings make. I mean, think about it. How many people worked to make Siri? Many, hundreds. How much time did they spend? Lots of time. And how much effort they're putting in to make something even better. Right? All the time they're trying to make it better, make it better, make it better. But we know that as human beings, no matter what we make, it will always be less than what Allah has made. Isn't it? It will always be less than what is natural. Right? So when this is the case with the physical things, with the physical things, and what do you think about speech? How could man's word ever come close to God's word? So لَن تَفْعَلُوا You will never be able to do it. And then in that case, if you still insist on denying Allah's word, then nar then fear the fire. Save yourself from the fire. Which fire? allati the fire which is such that Wakuduhanasu Al Hijara, whose fuel are people and stones. What is fuel? Fuel is what makes fire burn. Continue to burn. Fuel is what makes fire increase and burn more fiercely. Isn't it? So, as long as there's fuel in the fire, the fire will keep? The fire will keep? Burning. This means that as long as those people and those stones are in that fire, that fire will keep burning. And what do we learn? There is eternity in paradise and there is eternity in hell. This fire is never going to stop burning. Fear that fire, that's never going to die out. Save yourself from it. And this fire is prepared for who? lil لِلْكَافِرِينَ It has been prepared for those who deny. Because there is no justification for denying Allah. No justification whatsoever. Because here, this is also mentioned that if you happen to have any doubt, then okay, you say that a human being has produced it, you try to produce something like it. 1400 years ago this challenge was given. And who has been able to produce something like the Qur'an? Nobody has. The thing is that, there's something very interesting. The Arabs, okay, the Arabs at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they were experts of language and eloquence, rhetoric. They were masters of it, experts of it. You know why? Because as a nation, as a people, the only way in which they expressed themselves, the only form of art they had was actually language expression. When you study different civilizations, different cultures, you also study about their form of art, isn't it? Their culture. What do they make? What is it that they wear? You look at their clothing, you look at their foods, you look at their crafts, isn't it? Because that is how they express themselves. The Arabs only express themselves through language. You know why? Because they lived in the desert. What else can you make in the desert? Seriously. What can you make? Sandcastles. Sand castles. Okay. But, come on. Sandcastle, okay, you make it. But you know what? You're thinking about sandcastles by the beach. Alright? Or by the lake, where you have water. In the desert, you just have dry sand that doesn't stick. You need water for that. How could you make a sand castle? And even if you did, what's going to happen to that sand castle? It's going to be gone within a few days. And this is why many Arabs, they lived as Bedouins. Why? Because they would go to a place, let's say there's you know, a water hole, there is a well, or there's some water source. So they live nearby, and what happens after some time? The water runs out, OK, Back up, go find some other place, find some other place. There were only a few cities in Arabia when the Prophet ﷺ came. Now when you look at the map of Saudi Arabia, you see, oh, there's so many cities. Right? But at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, very few. So the only way in which people expressed themselves was through language. And they were experts of language. You know, the Arabs at the time of Hajj and at other annual festivals they would have their poetry competitions. Okay? Poetry competitions. So people would travel from far and distant places to Mecca, or to those fairs, and what they would do is that, you know, one man would stand up, and then he would start reading his poetry. And another person would stand up, and he would say his poetry, that would be much better than the other guys. Alright? So anyway, the person whose poetry would be the best, they would write it in gold in gold all right and they would hang it inside the kaaba and those poems or that poetry was known as muallaqat okay muallaqat it would be hung for an entire year written in gold so you can imagine how much importance this was given anyway there was this one man his name was labid labid yadal. if you're interested in writing it in arabic labid And Labid bin Rabi'ah, he was from the city of Ta'if. You know Ta'if? Anyway, it's near Mecca. It's the place where the Prophet ﷺ went to call people to Islam. And instead of accepting him or welcoming him, what did they do? They threw rocks at him. Anyway, so Labid bin Rabi'ah, he was from Ta'if. And he was one of those people whose poetry had been written in gold and hung in the Kaaba. So he was not just an average poet. He was one of the one of the best. Okay. So what happened? This man, he heard Suratul Surah Suratul Qasir. How long is Suratul Qasir? It's a short surah, right? Three verses. He heard it, and you know what he did? He retired from poetry. He said, "After this, I cannot open my mouth." and produce any poetry. Because if I did, I would be insulting myself. Because I know that I can never say anything that matches the style, the eloquence, the perfection of Surah Al-Kawthar. Surah al only three verses. And he as an expert of Arabic language and expression, knew that he could never produce anything like it. So he basically said, I'm retiring. He was 90 years old when he became Muslim. 90. This is a man who has spent almost a century listening to Arabic, all right, and producing the best poetry. He was such an excellent poet that Aisha, radiAllahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, she had actually memorized 1,000 lines of Labid's poetry. Labid's poetry. 1000 lines from it Aisha radhiyallahu anha had memorized so you can imagine how beautiful how excellent this man's poetry must be but when he reached the he said i'm done anyway later on when he was a muslim one of the governors they invited him all right and when he came they requested labid that please recite some poetry to us you know what he did أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الف ميم ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه للمتقين آمن الرسول بما أنزل والمؤمنون he recited the entire surah al baqarah and he said this is now in place of my poetry I don't do poetry business anymore I don't do it this has taken over. He was an expert of poetry, of language, of Arabic. He gave up. Allah says, لَن تَفَعَلُوا You will never be able to do it. Now one might say, well, Labid was a Muslim. Well, he became Muslim because of the beauty and perfection of Quranic expression. But there were other people at the time of the Prophet wasallam who did not embrace Islam. But they are also masters of Arabic language and they also said that Qur'an is something else. It's not poetry. Call it whatever you want, but it's not poetry. And this is the reason why they called it magic. Have you heard that the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet وسلم they called the Qur'an magic? Have you heard of that? Yeah? Sihr they would call it? And you would wonder, what magic? And magic is supposed to be what? What kind of words? abracadabra and you know weird kind of things that you hear in Harry Potter. What else is it? What does that mean? Alakazam. Come up with the weirdest word, right? And then put together the weirdest phonetic combination and call it magic. The reason why they called the Quran magic is because they couldn't call it poetry. They knew it was not poetry. It was just something different. It was something else. And whatever it is that you find strange or different, you can't pinpoint what it is. What do you say? Magic. Right? Like for example, if a person is unwell, they cannot figure out what's wrong with them, they go to the doctor like 20 times, and the doctors cannot figure out, what do people tell them? Magic. Why do they call it magic? Because I don't know what else it could be. This is the reason why the mujtikin called the Qur'an magic. Alright? Now, Walid bin Mughira, he was another man. And he was also a highly esteemed poet. And he said that, I swear by Allah, there is no one amongst you, O Arabs, who knows poetry as well as I do. You know that I am the best poet. All right? He's kind of showing off over here. And he said, yet the speech of Muhammad wasallam is not similar to anything that I know. It's not similar to anything that I know. It's not the word of a human being. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because if the Arabs of the time of the Prophet ﷺ accepted defeat, they accepted defeat. What does that mean? Nobody else after them could ever meet this challenge. Never. There was a man actually, his name was Musaylama. And uh, he was given the name Musaylama al kadhab What is al-Kadhab? What kind of liar? Like liar, liar, you know, like a big liar. Okay? Anyway, big liar. Why is he called a big liar? Because he said one day, I'm a prophet. Yeah. And he said that, you know what, I receive revelation also. So people got like very impressed And they're like, oh wow, another prophet And he says he's got revelation Okay, what is it? So people went to him So one man, he went to him And um, he said, okay Can you recite some of the revelation That has been given to you? And he said, sure And he started reading Or saying his kind of revelation False things of course He started reading and he's talking about difda'a. What is difda'a? Frog. Okay? And he's talking about al-feel, mal-feel, oh elephant, what are you, oh elephant? Okay? He's saying things like that. And he's going on and on, you know, trying to imitate the style of the Quran, al-qari'a, mal-qari'a, wa ma mal-qari'a, right? So he just replaced al-qari'a with the difda'a and with the feel, with the frog and the elephant and this man who had believed in him is just staring at him He's like you know as well as I know you're lying <laughs> I mean this is false it's just too bad man come on this is ridiculous and he loved him so people who knew the language and expression they could tell between what was divine and true and what was not so what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say here? That fa'il lam tafalu wa lam tafalu. You can never do that. Fattaku النَّارَ allati وَقُودُهَا النَّاسُ wal hijara Why? U'iddat lil kafireen In surah al-Isra verse number 88 Write this reference down. Surah al-Isra verse number 88 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says La yaituna بِمَثْلِهِ walau kana بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ zahiraan They can never produce anything like the Qur'an even if they assisted each other, if they helped each other. They cannot produce anything like the Qur'an. So, read this book, study this book, know your Lord. If you want guidance, you will find it in this book. And if you have any doubt, then leave those doubts, remove those doubts. And after the deniers now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions who? Those people who believe in the Qur'an. Who don't have any doubt in the Qur'an. So, وَبَشِّرْ And give good news. Give good news, O Prophet to who? ladina amanu, Those people who believe. Where is the belief? In the heart. salihat, And they perform righteous deeds. Where are the righteous deeds? Where are they? How do you do them? With your hands, with your actions, right? So the deeds are visible, and the faith is hidden in the heart, right? It's there. But if the faith is there, the actions will come. So give good news to those who believe and they also do righteous deeds. That, that indeed for them are gardens. What kind of gardens? Underneath which rivers flow. And I mentioned to you the meaning of underneath which rivers flow. What does that mean? One meaning is that those rivers will be entirely under their control. All right? Have you noticed something that so many times when paradise is mentioned in the Quran, the rivers are also mentioned? Yeah? Have you noticed that? Rivers are mentioned, right? How often does this description come? Tajri min tahdi hal anhar. Very frequently. Anyway, you know that if there is a house with a ravine, right? Close by, or in the property, or Right behind the house, what is going to be the value of that house compared to a house that doesn't have any ravine? Is there going to be a difference? People who are aware of real estate issues, is there going to be a difference? Huge difference. Why? Of course, people want it. People want it, which is why the price is high. Why do people want it? Because why not? It's beautiful. Now sometimes what happens is that you don't have control over that Nahar over that ravine it's in the part of your property which is you know too uh, far away or you know it's not really ideal you'd rather have it somewhere else you don't have control over it you know I know somebody they have a house and right behind their house their yard there is a ravine and that ravine it gets flooded they don't live here their house is not in Canada uh it gets flooded and there are times when it will get Nasty And what I mean by that is Just horrible It'll turn green Green And then it'll start smelling And then what's going to happen is That there's going to be lots of mosquitoes And flies And sometimes the garbage also comes in So it's not really ideal The rivers of paradise What are they like? What are they like? In a narration we learned That some of the companions You know they said that If you were to look for a splinter in paradise, you will not be able to find it. Splinter. What is a splinter? You know like from trees, there's like tiny pieces of wood, they're like thin, they just keep falling. Right? What happens in fall or in winter, you have so many leaves that you have to pick up from your yard. And sometimes when you're walking, these splinters, they poke you, they hurt you. Right? If you get a bunch of roses, and you love roses, they're beautiful. But with those roses, there will also be what? Thorns. There aren't any harmful things in paradise. So the rivers of paradise are also perfect, pristine, beautiful, clear. Does anybody know about what exactly the rivers of paradise will be of? There is a verse in Surah Muhammad. Does anybody know that verse? There is a verse in Surah Muhammad that tells us about the rivers of paradise. If you want to open your mushaf, you can do that. I mean, you've heard from childhood there's rivers of milk in paradise, right? But I want to know the proof. Okay, it's the verse with the word asalun Musaffa. مَثَلُ الْجَنَّةِ الَّذِي وُعِدَ الْمُتَّقُونَ فِيهَا أَنْهَارٌ مِنْ مَاءٍ غَيْرِ آسِنٍ وأنهار, وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ لَبَنٍ لَمْ يَتَغَيَّرْ طَعْمُهُ وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ خَمْرٍ لَذَّةٍ لِلشَّارِبِينَ وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ عَسَلٍ مُصَفًّى وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا مِنْ كُلِّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا خَفِيَتْ مِنْ عِبَادِكُمْ كَمَنْ هُوَ خَالِدٌ فِي النَّارِ وَسُقْمَاءٌ حَمِيمًا فَغَطَّاءٌ مَاءُهُمْ Barakallahu fi ilmik. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. She didn't have the Mus'haf open in front of her. Hmm. I know many of you have memorized the Quran or memorized portions of the Quran. It's very important to review and make sure we don't forget what we have spent so much time learning. Anyway, the rivers of paradise, what are they of? Milk. Leban. What is leban? Milk. Water. That is purified. That is completely clean. Rivers of milk, rivers of honey, and also rivers of wine. khamr wine. I'm like wine, hmm, alcohol, ew, wine, hmm, in paradise, yes, but not wine that will intoxicate people and make them do crazy things. All right, or even give any headaches. No, wine is for paradise okay wine is for where paradise that's where we'll have it not here anyway have you ever wondered rivers of milk won't that milk be dirty have you thought about that maybe you wondered as a child rivers of honey yeah the thing is that when it comes to the descriptions of paradise we don't compare them to how things are in this world Only the names are the same The descriptions, the exact details They're completely different Alright, they're completely different You know for example Cucumbers You know what cucumbers are? Good Anyway, my dad tells me about How when he was studying in the UK They had some students that they knew Who had come from different parts of the world So anyway, one day they found these cucumbers at the grocery store that were really big and they were fascinated. My dad was fascinated that, wow, big and beautiful, delicious, like how? Because in Pakistan, where he comes from, where I come from, they're very different. So the people from Palestine, they said that these kind of cucumbers, we actually give them to our animals. (laughs) I mean, what my dad was admiring and really impressed by, they said, we give these to our animals. We don't even eat them ourselves. We eat those that are much better than this in quality. Right? And I remember when I came to Canada and I saw Mexican mangoes, I was like, are you joking with me? How could this be a mango? Red mango? And weird shape? No. Mangoes are yellow and they're big and they're fragrant and they're juicy and they're sweet. And these are different. So even in this world we witness this, that things of one place are much different from things of Another place. So then what do you think about the difference in things in Jannah? Like how different would they be from the things of this world? So, تَجْرِي مِن تَحْثِهَا anhao كُلَّمَا رُزِقُوا مِنْهَا مِنْ Samaratin رِزْقًا كُلَّمَا every time رُزِقُوا they are given provision. Meaning the people of paradise every time that they will be given provision To eat, minha from it, meaning from paradise, and what that provision is going to be, min samara, some fruit, fruit. So every time they're given some fruit to eat, meaning every time they're eating some fruit, what's going to happen? Qalu, the people of paradise, will say, Hadaladi, this is what ruziqna min qablu we were given before. This is what we were given before. Why will they say this? Why will they say this? I remember the first time I saw Mexican mangoes, I was a little hesitant to try them. And honestly, it's taken me many years to acquire taste for Mexican mangoes. I still miss Pakistani mangoes a lot. Alright? But what happens is that when you see something, some food for the first time, what's your initial reaction? Hmm, I don't know what this stuff is. I don't want to try does it ever happen that your mom makes something different? And you don't eat it? And she says, just taste it. Has it ever happened? Yes. One bite, just tiny bite, taste it before you reject it. And then what happens? You taste a little bit and you're like, oh, not bad. This is pretty good, I'll have it. Um, seafood there are some people who will not even try things like what fish oh my god that's such a broad category squid let's say squid okay let's say somebody brings you salad with squid in it what would you do would you eat it okay stop talking amongst yourselves and tell me would you eat it you wouldn't many of you wouldn't why why because in your house you don't bring squid right but in other houses where they do have squid what will they do eat it right away no problem the point is that when you see something for the first time something you're not familiar with no matter how expensive it is and how much money you've spent on it you will be hesitant isn't it you'll be hesitant putting it in your mouth Okay, in paradise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that when people will be given food to eat, they will say, oh, we've had this before. Meaning, it will look very familiar. It will look familiar. But, the reason is, wa utubihi mutashabiha. They will be given that food, how? Mutashabihan. What is the meaning of mutashabihan? One that is similar. Similar, similar to what? Similar to what they previously had or similar to what they had in the world. But of course, when they will taste it, how will it be? Out of this world, literally. Right? Different. This is how much Allah cares about His servants. That in paradise, people will not be burdened with Hesitation even They will not be burdened with Even a little bit of reluctance Because when you See something for the first time You're hesitant You don't feel You cannot enjoy Every bite you're taking Very carefully I remember the first few times I had smoked salmon It was very hard for me Right? Because I was like Oh my god This is technically not cooked It's just been smoked You know It's been cured or whatever And I mean, it's not been exposed to any fire or heat. So I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about this. And there goes one bite. And then I'm chewing. and I'm like, no, it's not, it's not chewy. It's just smoked salmon, right? You're telling yourself it's okay. It's not fishy. It's fine. The whole time you're kind of counseling yourself, you forget to enjoy. Isn't it? People will not be burdened with this in paradise. Wa utu And what this also means is that things will look similar, the food will look similar, meaning familiar, but it will be different. The taste will be different. The flavor will be different. This is another blessing of Jannah Allah mentions here. One more blessing in paradise is what? lahum fiha And for them in it, azwaj mutahara, Purified spouses. And I mentioned to you that uh, Zawj is one of a pair, so it applies to husband of a wife or wife of a, of a husband. So purified. Now, you might wonder why is this being mentioned? Because, I mean, human beings are human beings. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Adam, right? Who was the second human being that Allah created? Who? Hawa, his wife. Not another man who would be his friend, right? Or an acquaintance, no, his wife. Because this is something within human beings. You long for company. And not just company, but a close friendship. And not just a close friendship, but such a friendship that will bring you comfort, and closeness, and intimacy, and it will complete you. Purified is the key here that I want you to focus on. Purified spouses in paradise. What does it mean by this? Purified, mutahara. Purified, when we think about being in a good, uh, presentable state, like for example, if you're going to a wedding, if you're going to a wedding party, generally, what's your concern? What's your concern? Your outfit, isn't it? And your outfit, which one is it that you're going to select? The one that not just looks nice, but also smells nice. It's clean. And then beyond that, maybe you'll be concerned about your shoes and your jewelry for girls and makeup, whatever. You'll be concerned about these things. We're concerned about our outward appearance, outward, external, bodily cleanliness. That matters. But has it ever happened that you go to a wedding where everybody's decked out decked out you couldn't find a fault in their makeup if you tried you couldn't you couldn't find a fault in their suit in their tie and the way that they're wearing their tie you couldn't find a fault in that even their cufflinks you know put perfectly everything nice watch even goes in the shoes and even the socks they match perfectly you couldn't find a fault but you're sitting in that wedding party and you're just waiting to get out why? Because somebody said something that really hurt your feelings. And honestly, how often does it happen that you go to a wedding party and you get hurt because of what people said? Raise your hand if you've ever had this experience. Very few of you? You don't get hurt by the things that people say? Have people commented on what you're wearing? Oh, you're wearing that same outfit. I've seen that tie before. (laughs) Is that your brother's suit? I think I saw your sister wearing that once upon a time. Hmm? your your earrings, what's wrong with them? right? People say such things and you feel so self-conscious. The point I'm making is in paradise there isn't just physical beauty. Purified, purified in their language, purified in their character, in their manner, in their dealings. And the thing is that in this world no matter, how close a person is to you. No matter how beautiful of a relationship you have with somebody, there will be times when you hear from them something that will hurt you. There will be that time when you see them, and what happens? Maybe they do something that annoys you. So, وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ wa وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will abide therein eternally forever and ever never to age you know why? because when the people of paradise will be in paradise and the people of hell will be in hell death will die you heard that right death will die death will be finished so the people of paradise will remain forever and the people of hell will remain forever وَهُمْ so what do we learn then? What's the conclusion? Perfection is only where? Where? In Jannah. So ask Allah for Jannah. Okay. Subhanakallahu bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.